Yeah, so just a quick disclaimer before we proceed on in the session, not financial or legal advice. And let's have a look at this chart. Lah. Uh, Mrs. Sunny, I'm not so sure if you can see it when you're driving, but anyways, it's just a chart of the Sing dollar against the Malaysian ringgit. And uh, things are not looking good. Uh, okay, in the, since the start of the year itself, January 2024, the Singapore dollar has gained 2.56 against our local note. And uh, if we zoom out to a longer time frame, since January 2022, Sing dollar has gained 15.46%. So if we extrapolate the data and put it to a two-year return, the annual returns is 7.45%. Now this return, uh, to give you guys a, a quick idea, is higher than EPF's five-year analyzed return of 5.65%, around there, and 87% of unit trusts in Malaysia. Uh, so just by holding the Singapore dollar in these two years, right, you would have already beat more than 87% of unit trust in Malaysia as well as EPF. Uh, so Mr. Sunny, where, where do we even start? Okay, um, I just want to ask you this question. <laughs> I'm sure you're busy celebrating right now since you're living and spending in Singapore. You can you know, convert your Sing dollar to Malaysian ringgit. You probably live like a king when you come back here. But is this... The Malaysian ringgit's problem, or are we, you know, looking at Sing dollar's strength also, or is it a combination of both? Uh, I think the last one. I think it's a combination of both, uh, because I think the way to always look at currencies because they're always a pair, Sing and ringgit, right? And the way to test whether a certain currency is strengthening, has strength, or is weak is you try and look at the several different types of pairs. So you just don't look at dollar sing, you just don't look at sing ringgit, you look at sing baht, you look at sing rupiah, you look at ringgit baht, you look at ringgit rupiah, and so on and so forth. So I think the conclusion when we talk about sing and ringgit is there is sing strength, because sing is strengthening against most other currencies. And there are elements of ringgit weakness also, because I think we do see a tad of ringgit weakness uh, 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 against rupiah and so on and so forth. Yeah, so I think it's a combination of both. Yeah, let's just focus on the uh, the, the 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 later factor which you mentioned uh, which is the ringgit weakness. Uh, fair to say the ringgit's weakness is mostly due to the, the difference of interest rates, right? Because uh, global central banks such as the uh, UK, US, Europe, all except Japan. Yeah, they've raised interest rates aggressively in the past one or two years and they've kept them much higher uh, as compared to Malaysia. La. So some context, uh, US interest rates currently at, uh, if I'm not mistaken, two to three decade high, 5.5%. But Malaysia's interest rates is at 3.0%. So is it fair to say that you know MYR's weakness is mainly deriving from uh, the difference of interest rates between these countries? Yeah, I think you can say so. But I think the... The way to look at it is there are different time frames to look at uh, uh, certain currencies, say for example the ringgit. Okay, so you have a long term time frame and you have a short term time frame. Um, the short term time frame tends to be governed or tends to be influenced by things like interest rate differential, uh, movement of hot money in and out of Malaysia. Uh, the longer time frame is tend to be more governed by foreign direct investment. Uh, your compet export competitiveness, your balance of payment, so on and so forth. But some of the key, the key accounts in your balance of payment. So you are right to say that. 
the interest rate differential uh, has a role to play short term. Uh, but let's not forget also that in the long run also, there are other factors. Um, the overall, if I may just use one or two more minutes, the overall trend or the overall movement of the ringgit is dependent on um, what we call the balance of payment. It's broken up into the current account, which is uh, export and import, whether it's goods and services. And then another major one is financial, the financial statement or the financial account. Uh, that can be broken up into what we call short-term and long-term. Short-term is a bit of a hot money, uh, equity equity kind of inflows and outflows and such. The long-term is the FDIs and so on. So it's the movement of the ringgit is really a confluence of all these factors. Uh, it's just that we don't know for certain sometimes which factor is, is overwhelming uh, at certain points. Uh, so, so really, um, at the end of the day, uh, the thing pushing the ringgit in one particular day itself or one particular period itself, uh, sometimes it's very hard to decipher what is the actual reason for that movement in, in, in the ringgit itself. So I think we just have to bear that in mind uh, because some people tend to, to look at the ringgit's performance and come to a very quick conclusion that it's because of this, it's because of that. Sometimes it could just simply be, for example, um, uh, one particular one particular uh, large trade flow, capital movement, uh, FDI movement, that in itself can also affect the ringgit on a day-to-day -day basis. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody understands uh, sometimes it's not only just um, interest rate differential and such, sometimes it could actually be, be uh, uh, other factors involved. Yeah, other other factors also include political factors, right? And and you know exactly. So, so yeah. So 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 if there was a a a, a, a bad sentiment, for example, um, you could effectively see uh, short term outflows. Um, but if the long term inflows uh, were still there, were still intact, then you can safely say that that was just a short term anomaly. In the in the ringgit weakness and the long term is still positive. So really, it's all these things coming together. Yeah. So let's move on over to the sing dollar strength, lah, which is the first uh, first factor that you mentioned. And and you're right, lah, because uh, when comparing the sing dollar to other major currencies such as the British pound, the Japanese yen, and the euro, SGD has strengthened quite significantly since 2021. So it's sort of like a double whammy lah in the case of the Malaysian ringgit versus Singapore dollar because first we talked about the Malaysian ringgit weakening due to internal factors, yeah, political factors, as well as difference of interest rates between Malaysia and other global central banks, right? And then the second factor towards the uh, strength in the SGD MYR pair is that the Sing dollar itself has also been strengthening. So um, say, do you mind elaborating more on why we are seeing such a resurgence or such a strength in the uh, Sing dollar versus other major currency pairs, uh, all except the US dollar, because this chart over here shows that even though SGD has been strengthening versus majority of other currencies, the US dollar is pretty much the same, you know, SGD versus USD. Okay, so, so at the end of the day, it's the same factors that affect the ringgit uh, affects the sing dollar and also for all our currencies, i.e. the balance of payment and all those flows which I, I was talking to you about. Um, so Singapore, in a way, um, attracts a lot of capital. 
uh, in recent years, in recent months, it's attracted a lot of capital from Hong Kong, from China, and so on. So that could be a factor. But I think the underlying uh, thing is we must remember that Singapore itself conducts its monetary policy via its its currency. Uh, it is one of the very few countries in the world which does not adopt a monetary policy based on interest rates. And like the Federal Reserve, Bank Nagara, inflation comes in, you raise interest rates. Uh, you want to stimulate the economy, you reduce interest rates and so on. Okay, um, In Singapore, because many things are being imported into Singapore, more than 90% of stuff is, is not produced locally, uh, the tendency or the risk is always to import uh, inflation into the country. Because Singapore imports the vast majority of, of stuff into the country, um, the best way to combat inflation is not to raise interest rates, it's to strengthen the currency. Okay, so when you strengthen the currency itself, uh, you are effectively buying things cheaper from overseas. So that is Singapore's monetary policy. When there's inflation, uh, they actually strengthen the currency. Um, and therefore, um, they manage the currency within a certain band. So the, the, so the big question over the long run is this. Is inflation a structural issue throughout the whole world? And does it, does it remain over the long run? So if the answer is yes, there will always be inflation. It's just a question of whether it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6%. Then effectively, the Sing dollar would actually strengthen uh, accordingly i.e. will strengthen over the long run because it has to combat that inflation over the long run. So that is why we do see the Sing dollar creeping up, sometimes fast, sometimes slower, vis-a-vis uh, -vis not only ringgit but other currencies because it's being managed intentionally to strengthen in order to avoid Singapore importing inflation into the country. So... Let me just track back a few steps uh, for, for some of the people who are confused in the, in, in the audience. Uh, okay? So first of all, uh, Singapore does not control domestic interest rates. Yeah? They do not rely on interest rates unlike Bank Negara Malaysia or the Federal Reserve. Okay, As you can see over here, domestic interest rates in Singapore are largely determined by global interest rates. And then Mrs. Sunny mentioned just now, uh, Singapore utilizes the exchange rate, yeah, effectively strengthening or weakening the Singapore dollar in order to control inflation. And why are they able to do this? Well, that's because they import most of their items. Yeah, by importing most of their items, they are heavily affected by uh, global inflation. So when you have a stronger uh, local currency, imports become cheaper. That's how inflation within the country falls. So if you take a look at the previous two years itself from 2021 to 2022, yeah, Mr. Sunny, you know, global inflation was peaking, right? I think the US peaked at nine point something. Uh, Singapore's inflation, I'm not entirely sure about this, but I think I peaked at 7.6 or 7.7. .7. And that was when the monetary policy, uh, monetary authority of Singapore or the central bank of Singapore has continued to allow Sing dollars to strengthen or directly intervening in the FX market, uh, buying up Sing dollars using their Forex reserves, and then uh, strengthening the currency to lower inflation within the country. So did I grasp the major points that you were talking about just now, Mr. Sunny? Yes, I think correct. correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah, so, so this is the, yeah. the table of uh, Singapore's uh, monetary policies, like basically every meeting itself. As you can see, since October 2021 to October 2022, MAS has been diligently tightening the monetary policy by raising the slope of the policy ban. So, uh, Mr. Sunny, quick question. Uh, this slope of this uh, policy ban over here, 
in simple, simple terms, it basically just means the strength of the Sing dollar, right? Yeah, so it's not a fixed currency, unlike Hong Kong, where more or less you say it has to remain at a certain uh, point. And it's not one whereby the MAS, for example, says, okay, uh, we are going to uh, strengthen the Sing dollar from, let's say, against the ringgit, this example, uh, 3.5 to 3.6 by, by the next few months to 3.7. No, it's nothing along that line. So it's not a fixed number which they target. Instead, what they do is they actually allow the Sing dollar to fluctuate within a certain band, a certain range, except that that range slowly creeps higher and higher. So I'll give you an example again. This is not, I have to repeat, uh, this is not the the actual band itself, but I'm just trying to give you something to visualize. So let's say, for example, um, now uh, it will probably fluctuate between 350, 34, sorry, 340 to 370 against the ringgit. You know? Then later on, 12 months time, you'll find that it will be 370 to 4.0, something along that line. So you see, it's creeping higher, and the result, and the reason why it's creeping higher is because there's a conscious effort to 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 make it move higher over a certain period of time. So therefore, we economists and strategists, when we look at the Singapore band, and it's actually not just one currency that determines it, but a basket of currencies, we tend to say the near the nominal effective exchange rate band is creeping higher at a rate of maybe two percent, three percent, or something along that line. So. So it's really a, 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 a trade-weighted basket. Okay, uh, I know it's a bit technical. It's a trade-weighted basket where, where it's allowed to appreciate and the, and the monetary authority uh, makes sure that the Sing dollar actually, or rather that number actually remains within a band and, and continues to appreciate. So, so I, I think you have that on your screen. That's the band. Um, so every time it hits the top end of the band or the bottom end of the band, there's there's intervention to ensure that uh, it remains within the band itself. So when uh, when the SNIA index or the strength of the Sing dollar basically falls below this band, mass will directly intervene in the forex market, buys up Sing dollars, strengthening the local currency. If it goes above the upper portion of this band, yeah, MAS will sell Sing dollars to weaken the local currency. And to tighten the monetary policy, right, i.e. to uh, allow SGD to appreciate even more, MAS can actually adjust the slope of the band or raise the slope of this band itself. Uh, okay, which is what you guys are seeing right here. Okay, in from October 2021 to October 2022, uh, MAS has been diligently raising the slope of the band, uh, therefore allowing SGD to appreciate further. So it's not just the... Um, the market that is buying up Sing dollars, right, Mr. Sunny, is also the Singaporean government in the previous, you know, two, one to two years itself. They have been buying up Sing dollars, you know, when it falls below the band, etc., right? Correct. Correct. So, so it's the central bank MAS policy to intervene to keep the Sing dollar within this band itself. Yeah. So if the band is sloping up, means they will ensure that the Sing dollar will continue to appreciate against a bucket of currencies, uh, uh, given that it is supposed to be within the band or kept within the band. I think one thing which many people um, uh, must understand also is that not any central bank, not any, sim not simply any central bank can, can maintain such a policy. 
you need, as you can, as you mentioned earlier, there were several interventions. So every time there's it comes out from the ban, ban there's intervention. You need a central bank or a country which has a lot of reserves, which has a lot of credibility. So when the central bank says we'll keep it within the ban, and the central bank says that we have enough money to maintain the the intervention, the market believes it, and the market doesn't try and do a hanky panky and try and break the ban and so on and so forth. You can imagine if some smaller countries, even like Malaysia or such, tried to maintain such a ban, um, you know, it would come under speculative attack and so on. So, so the fact that Singapore has huge amount of reserves, has the MAS has massive amount of credibility, helps a lot in maintaining the ban. Yeah. So when talking about the reserves, right? Uh, this is just basically a, a chart or a table of the uh, forex reserves by country. So when we have a look at the SGD MYR chart again. And when we start to extrapolate MAS when they began tightening and when they stopped tightening, you can really see that the rally uh, began when MAS started tightening. Okay, this parabolic rally over here, and then MAS they continue to hold the monetary policy. So afterwards, when uh, MAS continues to hold, we still see the Singapore dollar continuing to rally. And and why is this the case, uh, Mr. Sunny? What what do you think is going on over here? Well, so so again, um, we must remember that the Sing dollar, the trade weighted basket fluctuates within a range. So there are there will be some time when the uh, uh, it actually holds steady. There will be some time we sloping up and down. And again, it is a pairing rather than a single a single uh, currency itself. Um, you must we must understand that currency pairs means that we are now comparing, let's say, for example, fundamental of the Sing, Sing dollar, i.e. the Singapore economy versus fundamentals of the Malaysian economy. You know, people have asked me many, many years ago when the Sing dollar was at two against the ringgit, um, two and a half, three, and so on. They've asked me where I think um, the Sing ringgit would, would go. When it was two, I said it would probably go to three. Uh, when it was three, I said it's probably going to go to four. And 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 the reason I say that again uh, is because all I have to do is when I look at the sing, I know the sing is probably on a strengthening path. The only thing that will balance out is if the ringgit itself would strengthen, and what would that entail? That would entail the Malaysian economy becoming competitive. That would entail the balance of payment moving into surplus, i.e. Um, exports, uh, net exports higher, uh, foreign direct investment coming in, uh, people coming in to buy our bonds and equities, uh, and so on, so on, so on, so on. So, so the inflows will 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 create ringgit demand uh, that will help to offset basically sing demand and keep the sing ringgit either steady or even maybe move into the fa- into favor of 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 Malaysia or the ringgit itself. Until I see, you know long-run reasons to believe that the ringgit is structurally uh, sound, or rather, sorry, the Malaysian economy is structurally sound, i.e. competitive, you know, the Sing dollar strength itself will ensure that Sing ringgit is going to move higher and higher. So this really begs the question of can the Malaysian economy in the long run be competitive? And we're talking about things like you know the debt to GDP is increasing. The you can see that the country is falling down sometimes uh, over a period of long. Not only now, but over a period of time, down the so-called uh, world Com- competitiveness index and such. So all of this really, 
I mean, I think most recently there was a comment on Twitter by the World Bank uh, chief economist who said that, you know, if you want to look at the ringgit weakness, don't just focus maybe on the short term, uh, um, but look over the long run. And in the long run, it's all about competitiveness. And this is really what I'm alluding to. Um, the long run competitiveness actually drives the long run trend. Um, and we've just moved down uh, many ladders, whether it's a world competitive index, whether it's uh, uh, the education, you know, math Olympiad, for example, and so on and so forth. Uh, so all these things relate to competitiveness and really that's one of the reasons why Ringgit itself, I think, um, needs to change that in order for the Ringgit to strengthen. Yeah, so uh, things are not really not looking bright for the Malaysian Ringgit. Uh, okay, not just against the US dollar's case. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but I want to add one thing also. Uh, um, the currencies, any currency in the world, um, when they weaken, it doesn't necessarily mean something bad per se, okay? Because if you've been through what we call competitive devaluations, uh, sometimes countries actually welcome depreciation of currencies because it makes them more export competitive, uh, uh, more, more export competitive. Um, it, it helps them uh, to compete uh, in, in, in the world front, especially if you're a net export country itself. And in this, say, for example, in Malaysia's case, if the ringgit is weaker, every barrel of oil results in, in, in Malaysia earning many more ringgits, much more ringgits in terms for its budget, for its, you know, and so on and, and, and so forth. Um, so there's some positiveness in, in the weakness, uh, except that, you know, uh, it, it shouldn't last or it shouldn't be a permanent trend. Uh, so I think hopefully the ringgit's weakness now uh, can drive some changes, and that's really what currencies are for. When they when they go into a certain trend, whether it's strengthening or weakening, uh, it 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 changes the structure of the economy. So maybe now the economy should start thinking, the government should start thinking, how do I, for example, lessen my dependence on the imports of certain goods and services uh, in the country uh, from from overseas itself, you know, and and so on and so forth. So basically, um, it should spur changes within the economy um, uh, to actually effectively ensure that this weakness is not permanent. Uh, it's when those changes don't take place, uh, then it becomes an issue over the long run. Yeah, so hopefully the uh, politicians will do what they are tasked to do. But anyway, this is the uh, chart of Singapore's Forex reserves over here and there is no free lunch. Okay. Um, I think Mr. Sunny, you can chime in on this also when mass began tightening uh, to the period when mass has uh, continued to help the monetary policy. Uh, you can you can see over here uh, that the foreign exchange reserve has fallen significantly, yeah, indicating that MES has been directly intervening in the forex market using up their forex reserves in order to strengthen the local currency, making imports cheaper, uh, therefore lowering inflation. Uh, but tracing back to your previous point over there, uh, being the Malaysian ringgit weakening against other currencies due to our policies, etc. Our economy, our competitiveness index is also uh, dropping lower and lower. Yeah, the evidence is right here. Lah, because more recently, the Singapore government, their forex reserves is steadily increasing. Yeah, this means that they have not been really intervening in the FX markets uh, in terms of strengthening the sing dollar. Right? Does it 
Am I am I right to say this, Mister Sunny? Um, so I, I can't really see the chart, but yes, if, if you are saying that the the foreign reserves are increasing, then then probably they would not have been intervening. You're right. Yeah. So um, what is the long term? I mean, let's not go long term now. After that, we will talk about long term. Let's say short term wise. What is the short term like projection for the Sing dollar at least? Do you think you know this year you'll reach like three point six or three point seven? Uh, because this article over here indicated that you know MES is expected to keep the monetary policy tight. Inflation in Singapore has continued to persist. I think the most recent figure, inflation figure in Singapore, overall inflation missed expectations, right, Mister Sunny? Uh yes, I think uh, I think they will. I like like the article mentions. So I think if you talk about the Sing Ringgit itself, um, there is a likelihood that it will continue to move higher, albeit, uh, albeit uh, we've seen some some foreign buying on the on the stock market. Those are basically short-term flows. Um, it could be long-term flows, but basically currently today, or rather over this short period of time, we've seen a lot of inflows there. Um, so that could offset some of the weakness in the ringgit because uh, that sooner or later will translate into, into already is translating into inflows uh, into the uh, unit ringgit to to basically invest in the in the stock market if you're a foreigner. Right. So uh, short-term-wise, we are not really surprised uh, if the Malaysian ringgit continues to depreciate, let's say, around 3.6 to 3.7. Uh, you know. So I, I don't think you will be surprised also, uh, Mr. Sunny, because you know, MES is expected to keep their monetary policy tight. And this brings us to our last point of the night, right? Which is the importance of diversification uh, ensuring that you know, even though we stay in Malaysia, we have some assets exposed to overseas. Yeah, not just U.S. assets, but uh, HDD denominated assets as well. Now, you've been living in Singapore for I think over thirty years, Mr. Sunny. If you're a Malaysian, yeah. what are the ways or uh, what are the alternative methods for Malaysians to perhaps diversify into HDD assets? Do you know of any methods? Well, there are. Uh, I wouldn't mention the name, but there are unit trusts uh, which basically invest in Singapore. There are, there are some which are a little bit more heavily biased towards uh, Singapore bonds. Uh, because again, if you invest in something which invests in Singapore equities, you pick on the equity risk, which could offset what we call the FX gains. Um, so one of the cleaner ways of getting an exposure to Sing dollar is to to invest in a Singapore buyers or at least Singapore bond heavy uh, uh, unit trust. And there are some out there. So we've asked our clients, for example, to do so. And as you correctly mentioned, uh, the gains over the past couple, two, two years or so uh, has been quite attractive. And it's solely from, from, from the currency side. Yeah, there are a lot of other methods to diversify into the sing dollar as well first of all is fixed deposits but that requires you guys to at first own a singapore bank account or open a foreign foreign currency account this one i think right now only cimb over here locally is offering yeah. a, a very attractive yeah. deal in terms of a foreign currency account you uh, of course you, it's almost impossible for you to open a singapore uh, bank account without a singapore domicile address so I think this 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 way you're mentioning about uh, if CIMB offers it, then probably that's the easier easier alternative. Yeah, but but this is worth considering also, lah, Mister Sunny, because um another thing about yeah you get a direct exposure. 
you, you get a direct it's exposure. As good, it's as, it's as good as you go to the uh, money changer and, and change that your ringgit to sing and keep paying it, I guess. <laughs> But but my 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 impression is that uh you know I I've been checking the rates provided by CIMB and it is uh, honestly quite bad lah compared to the market rate, you know you incur like a two to three percent loss you know for buying the sing dollar right now I think it's like three point six six or three point six seven whereas the uh, market rate is three point five seven you know there's huge deviation, so I guess for those people who are interested to open a CIMB foreign account it only works if you have a longer uh, time horizon uh, because uh, apart from getting exposure to SGD and holding SGD itself, uh, CIMB allows you to place that balance into fixed deposits. And last I checked, the fixed deposit for Sing dollars uh, is uh, 3.5% for 12-month tenor, which is not too bad. Uh, but if you have a short-term horizon, then obviously you won't make a lot of profits. Uh, in fact, you might lose uh, some of your money because the exchange rate provided by banks is just not very favorable. Uh. So that's one of the first ways. And you talked about another way also, which is buying HDD uh, unit trusts. And uh, locally, well, you won't mention the name, but I think a lot of people know this name, Mr. Sunny. It's probably Mutual. Uh, and many other banks out there are, are also offering different types of unit trusts that have exposure to the Singapore dollar. Like, just make sure you guys check the fund prospectus and uh, take a look at the fees. Like. The unit trust denominator in Sing in itself is, is not enough because um, if you're buying into an equity, you are exposed to the equity volatility. So if your sing dollar could strengthen 3%, 5% against ringgit, okay, so you have FX gains, but your sing equity could go down by 5%, so you effectively don't make any money. Um, and that's why I, I had alluded to the fact that it's the bond-centric unit trust, sing bond-centric unit trust, which are more stable because bond prices don't typically move that much. So there's a lesser chance of the bond, uh, a negative bond performance, uh, eating up your your so-called sing dollar FX gains. Yeah. So just just to track back on your point just now, Mr. Sunny, uh, when we talk about Singapore equities, how has the Singapore market performed? Let's not compare to the U.S. market, like, because U.S. market is just every day making a new all-time high. But how has the Singapore market performed compared to the Malaysian market? Is it like slightly oh. better? Or are we talking about worse? Uh, or I, haven't, I haven't done a side-by-side -side comparison, but it's just sideways over the past couple of years, similar to Malaysia, I guess. Okay. It's uh, it's not no surprises over there that you recommend that, you know, uh, get exposure to mainly those lower-risk assets. If the view is that you want to make currency gains or you want to put a bet on the currency, then you don't want your underlying asset fluctuation to wipe out your currency gains. Uh, so effectively, you try and get the asset with the lowest volatility, and in this particular case, it's a bond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the last method which we'll be talking about tonight to get exposure to SGD assets is this new fund over here offered by Versa. They said that this is a moderate risk fund. They invest in reputable assets from financial institutions, banks, real estate giants, yeah, OCBC, UOB, Capital Land, Ascendance REITs, all major players in Singapore's thriving economy. So probably it is uh, an alternative way for Malaysians to get exposure to the Sing dollar. What do you think, Mrs. Sunny? Surface-wise. Uh, surface that's, that's what I was mentioning. I said if, if this is into the shares of what you just mentioned, the banks and some REITs and such, you are exposed to the decline in the performance or share price, correct? 
So, right, right, you know, right, right. i give you an example. In Japan, the Nikkei went up 30%, but the yen dropped 30%. Then, then you didn't make any money. So in this particular case, it's the other way around. Um, your sing could strengthen against the ringgit by 10, 30%. Let's say, for example, extreme, lah, 30%. But if your share price drops by 30%, it's also back to zero. So when you buy something like this, and again, I, I, I can't see, because you know, I'm driving, sorry. I can't see the actual details of this fund itself. But if this fund is invested in, let's say, for example, you mentioned a few names, UOB, I don't know whether you mentioned OPCC, all these are shares of these banks. They're, they're good names. They're blue chips except that they are on the stock market. So if the US tanked by 10%, hypothetically, the Sing market, Singapore STI followed suit and tanked by 10%, and all these blue chip shares tanked by 10%, your 5% gain on your Sing ringgit wouldn't make a difference because you'll be down by minus 5. Yeah. So, so, so effectively... Uh, if it's equity-based underlying still an equity, you are still exposed to the prospect of not gaining on the currency side because the equity losses. But it could work the other way. The equities could go up by 10, currency could make 5, and you end up with 15% overall. You could also gain from it. It's just that you are exposed to this swing in the equity side. So here is the breakdown. It's 63.4% uh, fixed income. 30.2% okay. equities, 6.5% cash. So I'm assuming that the 30% uh, equities within the fund itself goes to these groups, like DBS, OCDC, uh, okay. etc. So does that you know, uh, increase the attractiveness of the fund itself? Because why, why I want to focus about this is, is because that it's a new fund and it is uh, very easy for Malaysians to get exposure into SGD assets uh, rather than, you know, approaching a manager manually, learning more about different types of unit trusts, being charged high fees, etc. I mean, you, 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 as long as you go in with your eyes open, you know that uh, the majority is fixed income, fine, but you still have a component which is uh, tied to equities. Um, so you just have to, once you understand that, um, if, for example, you happen to be in a situation where the equity markets drop, just don't be surprised that your sing dollar had strengthened, but you just end up, you still don't end up with a gain. Um, but you, as I mentioned, you go in with your eyes wide open, then shouldn't be an issue at all. Yeah. All right. Right. So I think we do have uh, quite a few questions already, Mr. Sunny. Uh, the first question is, how can we start investing in SG assets, uh, which we already answered. Uh, and, and we've broken it down into three different parts, right? Uh, it's the fixed income uh, section where you talked about investing in mainly uh, safer assets, yeah, treasuries, bonds, okay? Getting exposure to those unit trusts that are heavily denominated in uh, these assets. And then uh, registering for a foreign currency account with CIMB. Uh, that one has a few cons like, because the exchange rates are often unfavorable, but it allows you to uh, place the money into fixed deposits, right? So you can grow your money uh, by quite a bit. And finally, it's uh, Versa HDD, like this new fund over here that uh, invests your money mostly into fixed income, but it has some of the equity risk as well, which uh, Mr. Sunny mentioned, if the markets you know fluctuate and perform badly, uh, then don't be surprised that your profits will reduce as well. Uh, so the other question is, I'm currently working in Singapore. Oh, okay. You guys can uh, you can meet with Mr. Sunny because he's currently in Singapore as well. <laughs> uh, 
uh, can I know which is more profitable for me to save money? Uh, to save money in SGD bank account or EPF or ASB? Ooh, um, touching a bit more on the financial advice realm already. Lah, but uh, your thoughts so far, Mr. Sunny? Just give like a general opinion. Uh, actually, it's, a, yeah. it's a good question. Um, one which is, uh, uh, I guess it's not easy to answer. Okay, so if you work it out, quantitatively meaning to say that um, um, Singapore banks currently give let's say 12 months as you mentioned 12 months fixed deposit three and a half. you are assuming that the SING may strengthen another 3% so net net you would walk away with about 6 to 8% let's say for example on a per annum basis um, if you look at your EPF and ASB um, they would give you what Five six percent. Okay, so but that's more or less. I won't say guarantee, but it's it's around there. So you'll be taking a bit of a a, a bet that the so called um, thing returns against ringgit is consistent at three, um, and the Singapore rates are here. So I think from that basis, if you do those assumptions, putting it in Singapore uh, probably looks a better bet at this point. Uh, until the day where the sing rates fall below, um, the 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 let's say sing rates sing FD rates go back down to one percent, uh, then maybe it's a bit more even out where you want to put it. So I think that's 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 the thing. Uh, one thing you may want to remember, not so much of the returns, but I think in terms of the flow, um, it's easier to send money from Singapore. Let's say you convert it to ringgit it's harder for you to reconvert the ringgit back into sing. Um, if you're, especially if you're talking about large amounts. Um, because again, I think um, uh, yeah, bringing money out of bringing ringgit or converting ringgit back, uh, uh, sorry, converting ringgit out of Malaysia, um, I think there's some effects restrictions. Yeah, so those are the few things that uh, you need to take note of. La. But if I were to approach this itself this question itself like maybe is it wise to split like do like a 50 50 split you know 50 percent you save hd in the bank account and then like 50 percent uh, save into epf or asb just so that you can have like the best of both worlds or we determine the percentage ourselves where part of it i i want to contribute 20 percent to epf or asb every month and then the remaining 80 percent i save inside my hd bank account so that i do have like a bit of uh exposure in MYR just in case that MYR strengthens as well. Do you think this is like a, a, a prudent option? I, I, I think it really depends on the individual yeah. how yeah. strong he or she believes in a certain um, um, uh, assumption. Um, but if you have no idea, then I think your method of 50-50 is just fine. Also. Yeah. 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 Okay, so uh, fixed income in this case is bonds. Yeah, so basically Correct. fixed yeah. income, right. yeah. Fixed income is mainly talking about the uh, low risk assets, uh, treasuries, bonds, government securities. Uh, what else, uh, Mr. Sunny? What, what else is there? Uh, there is huh? like, um, I think that pretty much covers the list already, right? That's fixed much, uh, it's just that fixed income has a wide range. You're talking about everything from government bonds, which are safe, to corporate bonds, to high yield bonds, to other fanciful ones like convertible bonds and such. But I think um, most of the time when I see funds investing in Singapore, it's just the traditional pretty safe type ones. But again, you need to read the, the mandate of the fund. Right, right. So for those of you guys who currently have like a Singapore bank account, right? 
Uh, fun fact, uh, you can actually send Malaysian Ringgit over to your Singapore bank account. You can convert Malaysian Ringgit to HDD and then send it over to your Singapore bank account instantly uh, with either WISE or Touch and Go Remit. Okay, so uh, but then the, the the amount is kept for touch and go remit at I think thirty thousand ringgit a day, so the rates are actually pretty competitive. Uh, below one thousand ringgit, wise roughly charges about one percent fee. Uh, above one thousand ringgit, then it's more better to use touch and go remit. In that case, the fee will be like much lower as your amount goes higher, like. So I just feel that you guys should know about this. You know, touch and go allows you to send money overseas, uh, not just to Singapore. But to other countries such as the UK, uh, I think Japan is also in there, if I'm not mistaken. So later after the session, I will send you guys a few links and uh, you can read more about it. So I think one of the last questions over here, I'm looking at SG. There is an app known as Scythe. Is it any good? So I, I can't comment on whether it's good or no good, but uh, you need to do your own research. But there are several robo-advisors here. Uh, you just... Um, Probably you do a search, you'll be able to see Endow Us, Scythe, and maybe one or two others. Uh, one of them closed down, I think Money, Money Out or something like that. Yeah, I can't recall the name. Uh, but it's a robo-advisor, basically. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on robo-advisors? Is, is it like uh, something that you know investors should look at or or, or we stick with? If, yeah, yeah. Well, it depends. If, I mean, I think it's it's a combination of things. Some in people, uh, robot advisors are, are cheaper compared to if you speak to a, a, let's say, a human advisor most of the time. Um, you know, um, the robot advisors are, they, they come out cheaper. So people who are new, young, and savvy with technology believe in the fact that I don't need an advisor to talk to me. I just want to invest a couple hundred, a uh, couple hundred dollars or a thousand few thousand dollars and such that's fine um some people who are older with much more complex situation two hundred thousand, half a million and stuff most of the time again it, it, they still could invest in robo advisors no issue at all but we tend to see them preferring to talk to a human advisor because the amounts are large they want to ask questions they want to bounce ideas off the advisor and such so they tend to prefer speaking to to financial advisors you know um, because some most of the time their 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 plans would incorporate sometimes um, um, life objectives financial objectives which need a bit more um, human interaction oh by the way I want this amount at this particular point but then later on my I want this amount I want to reduce it I want to, uh, I'm gonna get a bonus I'm gonna introduce so a lot of complexity which I think at this point, um, you know, Robo is pretty straightforward. Um, one objective, one, 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 one kind of uh, time frame, and so on. Of course, you can have it, do it a bit more complex-wise, but uh, like I mentioned, the demarcation that we see mo most of the time uh, is in terms of size, i.e. the higher the, the, the investable amount, uh, the more tilted towards a human advisor uh, for the investment. Yeah, so it entirely depends on uh, how much you're planning to invest as well as uh, whether you're tech-savvy or not. So in the topic of robo-advisors, uh, locally, Wahed is one of the very well-known robo-advisors. Uh, uh, so you may want to take a look at it or, or you know change your investment strategy or whatnot, uh, depending on whether you're tech-savvy and, and your, your investment amount as well. 
So uh, on to our last question. I think there are no questions from the community right now, but I do have one final question for you, Mr. Sunny, before we uh, end the yeah. session. Let's say, you know, this this Malaysian over here, he wants to diversify into SG assets. He doesn't, his portfolio is mainly denominated in MYR, you know, comprises of maybe ASB, some fixed deposits, etc. And then he's interested to, he looks at the depreciation of the Malaysian ringgit and he's very interested to diversify into the Sing dollar. In that case, what sort of like a portfolio breakdown would you recommend? Would you recommend like 80% into MYR, 20% into SGD, or, or like a, a different sort of percentage uh, depending on their age or whatnot? Okay, so again, this is very generic in nature. Um, sometimes yeah, it depends yeah. on individual case-by-case case basis. Yeah. But we typically, because when you move into SGD, like I mentioned, it really is a question. Number one is, is it an equity exposure or is it a bond exposure? Okay. Um, we tend to think that if it's an equity exposure, most of the time, single country, it will then be considered as a single country exposure into, into Singapore. Uh, we would limit it to 10% of your portfolio. Okay, so that would be the case. If it's a bond exposure, we tend to have a little bit more leeway. And because it's in Singh and historically Singh has done well, we think that maybe it can even go up to 20, 20 odd percent, maybe even 30, for example, if, if, if we, if the, especially if the, um, if the, uh, client, um, already has assets in Singapore, has some use, you know, has, is familiar with the, with the, with the, with the currency and such. Yeah, so that would be the case. So again, it's very generic kind of advice. I'm not trying to say it's specific to any one of you. You really need to sit down with your financial advisor if you have intention to do so. Right, right, right. And uh, that brings us to the end of our session tonight, guys. Hopefully you guys learned something and enjoyed our presentation talking about the uh, Singapore dollar. Really just to quickly uh, summarize you know, everything Singapore dollar is mainly strengthening the past two years, yeah, 2021 to 2023, because of the Monetary Authority Singapore or the Singapore Central Bank tightening the monetary policy and directly buying up Sing dollars in the market. Therefore, strengthening the local currency in order to uh, keep a lid on inflation. Okay, And uh, things are not looking good for the SGD MYR pair. I mean, things are looking great for the SGD MYR pair. What I'm talking about is the Malaysian ring, you know, because... Uh, Singapore, they are expected to keep the monetary policy tight. Inflation continues to persist. So like what we covered earlier during the session, it's no surprises if in the next few months or next few weeks, SGD rallies to 3.6 or 3.7 due to uh, this inflation factor over here. But obviously, uh, other factors like what you mentioned just now also, MYR could see some inflows right due to the Malaysian market uh, we, uh, Malaysian ringgit weakening and then attracting more investors to uh, come into the Malaysian market, right? In order to invest in Malaysian market, they have to first uh, buy up some ringgit. La. So make sure you, I would say, manage your risk accordingly. Don't uh, like be gung-ho, like what you always say, la, Mrs. Honey, don't be gung-ho and, and try to go to market <laughs> and then at the end of the day, regret. La. Yeah, so Mrs. Honey, uh, last words from you before you wrap up the session. Not much. I've actually said a lot. Um... But if it's on the subject of, of sing and, and, and bring it, I think at the end of the day, um, it, it really boils down to whether Malaysia can get its act together. Um, uh, if it does, then I think uh, it has a good chance of strengthening 
um, strengthening, not only against the sink. And, and again, everybody struggles. Everybody effectively struggles against this thing because, again, as we mentioned, sing is is kind of a lack of a better word, uh, uh, one way in a way. Um, so the baht, the, the rupiah, the peso, trillion peso, everybody is kind of uh, losing out to the sing. Uh, but if the ringgit can get its act together, then you will find a stronger ringgit baht, ringgit, ringgit rupiah, ringgit peso, and 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 so on and so forth. So I think um, you know, hopefully, uh, if we get our act together. Yeah, big if over here. Okay, but uh, I would say uh, let's keep our hopes up and uh, see where the ringgit goes in the next few weeks or months. And that brings us to the end of our session tonight. Hopefully, you guys uh, uh, learned something. Shout out to all our members. Thank you all for supporting the Futurists. Andrew, Wendy, Edward, Alex, CC is Ershad, Caveman Balls, Kelvin, Tommy, Jinkang, Adrian, JS, Wenyan, Dean, Duhan, Sufi, Faris, Alan, Jackson, Ryzen, Hudson, G, Jeffrey, Lawrence, Bookman, Lufeni, Will, Jack, YC and Arif, as well as uh, all of our learner members. Good night, everyone. Stay safe.